Welcome to the One Hope Church podcast, where we believe Jesus is our one hope for a better life and a better world. We hope this message encourages you. My name is Amber Moore, and I'd also just want to say Happy Mother's Day to all the moms in the room. Well, I'm the Next Gen Director here at One Hope Church, and I'm also Scott's wife, so if I haven't had the chance to meet you, I just wanted to give you context of that. But it was Mother's Day 2005, and I was pregnant with our first child, Ellie. And by my first official Mother's Day which would have been Mother's Day 2006, I actually had two children who were under the age of one that were not twins, okay? So I'm guessing that that is what qualifies me to speak today. Um, But honestly, um, one of the hardest things about being asked to speak on any Sunday is trying to figure out what is it that I wanna talk about. What is it that I wanna share? And so Scott thinks he's being super helpful when he says things like, just share what's on your heart, tell us what the Lord has been teaching you. Well, I hate those answers because typically the things that the Lord is teaching me um, are usually corrections in my life and also are usually pretty personal, but that's not even the worst part, okay? The worst part is then he asked me to speak on Mother's Day and so not only am I supposed to like get up here and spill my guts out with all the personal things in my life, but then I have to make sure that I'm super inspirational for all the moms in the room. But hold up, I also need to make sure it's applicable to all the non-moms in the room, okay? So no pressure at all this morning, right? So I guess I need to start today by just thanking Scott for the opportunity to speak this morning. I am super pumped. Um, and oh, but but it is Mother's Day, so I'm guessing he has something pretty sweet planned later. I'll let y'all know what it is, okay? But anyway, seriously though, deciding what to talk about is just I just I stress out about it a lot. And um, as I prepped and prayed, I kept going back to this particular story. And honestly, I was not real happy about it, and I was kind of resistant to it for honestly three main reasons. One is it had nothing to do with mothers or motherhood or mothering. And so I'm like, why? That doesn't make sense. The second reason is it's a really, really familiar story. And it's taught a lot. There have been a lot of sermons. There's been studies on it. And so I just really didn't think I had anything new to bring to it. And as soon as I tell you what it is, y'all are going to like replay the whole story in your mind in less than 30 seconds because it's only five verses long. So... That was the second reason. And the third reason was, it's never really been one of my favorite stories. Now, I'm not saying that I don't like it, but if I had to rank all the stories of the Bible, it would be be at the bottom. So this is a really great way to start today's message, right? I'm sure you have never heard someone start a message with the three reasons why she didn't want to talk about this, but hey, I guess... Ah, I guess this is the vulnerable, like personal parts before I get to the inspirational and applicable parts, okay? So anyway, here we go. So I'm going to share this morning from Luke 10, verses 38 and 42, and it's the story of Mary and Martha. And y'all just did it, didn't you? You just replayed the story in your mind, and you think you know where we're going to go this morning, okay? But we're going to talk about Mary and Martha. And so I'm just going to start by reading these verses. So Luke 10, 
38 through 42, and it says, as Jesus and his disciples were on their way, he came to a village where a woman named Martha opened her home to him. And she had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet, listening to what he said. But Martha was distracted by all the preparations that had to be made, and she came to him and asked, Lord, don't you don't you care that my sister has left me to do the work by myself? Tell her to help me. Martha, Martha, the Lord answered, you are worried and upset about many things, but few things are needed, or indeed only one. And Mary has chosen what is better, and it will not be taken away from her. So if you are following along in your Bible or a Bible app, you may have noticed that that particular story is sandwiched in between Jesus' parable of the Good Samaritan and his teaching on prayer. Now, I found this kind of odd that amid all the stories of Jesus' teaching, his miracles, and his parables, that, that the author, Luke, has chosen to include this story about two sisters. And this was honestly a clue to me that, hey, there's probably something pretty significant happening in this story that, that I may have missed, and so I, it needs a closer look. And so I am not, like I have not been to seminary, I'm not a theologian, but one of my favorite, I actually was an English major, and so one of my favorite things to do is I love books, I love, I'm the nerd that likes to like read and dissect um, literature, and so I, I love Bible studies. I love just looking at the Bible and doing a deep dive into what is going on, and so that's what I wanna do this morning, is I just wanna take this passage and look deep into it, and so what we see here is that Jesus is traveling, and this was something that he did pretty often. In fact, I would go as far to say that this was actually his ministry model, is that he would travel from town to town to city to village, and he would preach. He would share his truths. He, would, um, his, he and his disciples would perform miracles. Um, this is what he did. And so we learn from the text that he has entered the town of Bethany. Now, it doesn't actually say that he went to Bethany, but it does tell us that he went to the home of Mary and Martha, and they lived in Bethany. And Mary and Martha were sisters, and they had a brother named Lazarus. And Lazarus is not mentioned at all in this text, but that name might sound familiar because we do hear about him later on. But Mary and Martha and Jesus are the main characters of this story. Now, verse 38 tells us at the very beginning that Jesus was traveling with his disciples. So contextually, we can assume that maybe some, if not all of the disciples, may have also been present with Jesus in the home of Mary and Martha. So she may have been preparing this meal for not just Jesus, but a lot of people, but we don't really know that. Um, so now let's look, let's look at the characters of our story. Let's first take a look at Mary. And what do we know about Mary? Well, we know that Mary was praised by Jesus for her choice. Okay, in verse 42, it tells us that she chose what is better. And I think in the translation we read, I think that's actually what it says. 
But other translations say that she chose the good portion or the right thing. And there are actually so many different words used to describe um, her choice. But what words are used to describe her choice matter much less than what her choice actually was. So what did Mary choose? Well, in verse 39, it says, She has a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet listening to what he said. Now, I have heard sermons and studies that kind of suggest here that what Mary chose was to worship. And I do think that there was a part of that. I think that there was adoration and praise in her heart. But the text literally says that she sat at his feet listening. And so what is happening here is that this, this may be kind of an odd picture for us to have someone sit at someone's feet. But in, that, in the culture of that time, that would have been a pretty common position for a rabbi or teacher to sit and a student to have been at their feet. Now here's, and that's where we find Mary, but here's another thing we learn about Mary that I think is really um, significant that I have never, it has never crossed my mind before. But Mary was not burdened by societal norms. Here's what I mean by that, and this stood out to me so, just so clear this time when I was studying this. It would have been culturally normal for the women to have been serving and preparing. That would have been the cultural norm, and it was the male students who sat at the feet of the rabbi and the teacher. But that's where we find Mary, is we find her at the feet of Jesus. And so I just thought that was very significant. So those are the things that I know about Mary. I know she was praised by Jesus for her choice, and she was not burdened by these societal norms. So what do I learn about Martha from the text? Well, again, something that had never stood out to me before was that it was Martha's home. She was the one who welcomed him in. And I think sometimes Martha gets a bad rap, and maybe that's why I've never liked this story, because, um, I don't know. Anyway, um, but Martha, it's her home. She's the one who welcomes him in. She makes space for him. She makes space both in her day, she makes time for him, and she also makes space, physical space, in her home for him. Um, and she serves him. So while Mary is sitting at the feet of Jesus, Mary takes this, this posture of a disciple, right? She's learning from Jesus. While Mary takes that posture, Martha takes the posture of serving. And I want to point out here that both are good. Discipleship and serving, both good things. And both are necessary, okay? The other thing I learn about Martha is that she's frustrated. She is feeling the weight of her responsibilities, and she's frustrated. And here is just a noteworthy little fact for me, is when she got frustrated, she went to Jesus with her frustrations. She went to Jesus with these frustrations. And so I love looking at how these women interacted with Jesus how they reacted to their encounter with him. But as a disciple and as a Jesus follower, what's most important to us is how did, how did Jesus respond to them? 
How did he react when these women came to him? Because they both came to him in very different postures. So how did Jesus respond to them? So let's look at first at how Jesus responded to Mary. First, he accepted her. So the way Martha's question is asked in the Greek, okay, the way it's asked in the Greek, it's assumed that Jesus is going to answer in agreement with her. So think of it kind of like a rhetorical question. And in verse 40, we read, Martha asks, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to do the work by myself? She has already predetermined what his answer is going to be. In her mind, she knows what the answer is. But what happened instead is Martha's question about her sister Mary evoked a response from Jesus that was significant because it was in opposition to what everyone would have expected. And this is kind of what Jesus did, right? Is that he didn't always give the answers that the religious leaders expected. But here's what, this is significant because the answer that he gives is in opposition to what they would have expected. See, Mary was not doing the things she should have been doing based on the cultural standards of that time. But Jesus didn't care. Because in the culture and kingdom that Jesus was building, everybody had a place at his feet. Everybody. The second thing that I see how Jesus responded to Mary is that he saw her. If there would have been others in the room, and we don't really know, but if there would have been other people in the room, I bet that Martha wasn't the only one looking at Mary and being like, hey, she needs to get up and do what she's supposed to do. But where others would have seen a woman, a woman sitting at the feet of Jesus, not doing what she should have been doing, Jesus saw her heart. He saw that she wasn't doing it from a place of rebellion and she didn't have an agenda, but she just wanted to be near him and listen and learn. He saw her, and then he gave her exactly what she needed. He encouraged her. He reassured her that her choice to sit there and listen was the right choice. You see, she had this desire and this calling inside of her that she just, she wanted to, this is what she wanted to do, and she had this calling and this desire, and he reaffirmed that calling in her. He said, you are doing the right thing. He accepted her, he saw her, and he gave her what she needed. So then how did Jesus respond to Martha? Because Martha is going about this encounter a completely different way, and so how did Jesus respond to her? Well, the first thing is, he accepted her. See, he didn't correct her until she came to him. He didn't walk into her house and start criticizing her attitude or her behavior. It wasn't until she came to him with her frustrations that, she, that, that he said, hey, hey, there's, there's, there's something more going on here. 
he accepted her. He let her choose her own way. And when she was ready, she came to him and he met her when and where she needed it. He saw her. I love the way that Jesus responds to her in verse 41. And he says, um, hey, you are worried and upset about many things. So just about every translation that I read this week uses a different, different words or different word combo. Like I think the translation we read says worried and upset, but it could have said anxious, frustrated, burdened. There's a lot of different words that could have been placed there and there's a lot of different word combinations. But there almost every translation I read used the second part that says many things. This speaks to so much more to me than just busyness. It speaks to so much more to me than just busyness. Now, this really is just my opinion, but I believe that Jesus was looking past her misdiagnosed burden of busyness and looking into her heart to see the root of her emotional distress. That's what I believe. Because, hey moms, don't we do this a lot? We, when we lose it on our kids, y'all may not do this, but I do this. Um, when we lose it on our kids, it really usually has very little to do with them. See, I know my kids are loud, and I know they're messy, and I know that that's my job, right? I had them. Um, but it's when I become overwhelmed with all the outside factors of life that then I can't process my responses and I lose it on the people that are the safest in the places that are the safest. And Jesus saw her in this moment and he said, hey, there's a lot more going on here and I see you, sister. What a powerful moment to in a moment when you are frustrated to have someone look at you and say, hey, I, I see you. I know what's going on. And then lastly, he gave her what she needed. He corrected her. She needed correction. See, she was focused, she was focused on many things and not the one thing that mattered. And Martha's consumption with assessing what others were doing around her, well, it created this distracted spirit. And she needed to have these things pointed out to her. And she needed to have them called out and corrected. But what I see here is I see a God who doesn't change. These women were very different in how they responded. He accepted both women. He saw them both, and he met both of their needs. It just looked different because what they needed was different. And in those moments, there was so much more happening because Jesus, I believe, I don't believe that anyone ever has an encounter with Jesus and leaves the same. Um, it's up to us and 
them, how they respond, but, but you never leave the same because Jesus is always calling you to something more, something different. And so when I look at this, I wanna look at this and say, okay, so what was it that Jesus, I see how they responded to him, I see how um, he responded to them. Now, what was it that he was calling them to? And when I look at Mary, I think what he wanted from Mary was exactly what she was giving. See, our lives are not primarily about purposes, but about being. Now, I'm gonna go ahead and be real honest with you. This is a really hard concept for me because as, of, as someone who is like, I like to get things done, I'm a checklist girl, um, probably my biggest pet peeve in the world is laziness, like I like to get stuff done, okay? Um, I'm also used to being judged on performance, but I like to get stuff done. So this is really hard for me, this concept. But truthfully, um, we spend so much of our time trying to figure out what our purposes and our callings are in life. And we tend to bend towards this idea that God has something that he wants us to do and either we are doing it or we are not. But that is not an adequate view of, of God. That's not an adequate view of him. You are not simply someone to do something for God. See, he does not need you to accomplish his purposes. And I think we don't really understand this because everything but God is dependent on something or someone else. And so we don't really understand this concept, but God doesn't need us. And when we don't latch on to this concept about just being and not purpose, when we don't latch onto it, we react as if we are necessary for God to accomplish his purposes. And this line of thinking is so toxic because it chips away at God's omnipotence. God cannot be simultaneously omnipotent and need you. It doesn't work. That's not how God works. God doesn't need you, but he calls you. He wants to give you purpose. He wants to give you a meaning. He wants more for you. So what did Jesus want from Martha? So I don't believe that what Jesus wanted from Martha in this moment was to sit down physically. Jesus came into her home to be fed, whether he was alone or whether he had the other disciples with him. Um, he came in there with the expectation of, yeah, they're gonna serve me, they're gonna, they're gonna provide a meal. I don't think he was calling her to sit down physically. But hear me on this. I think he was calling her out of her panic and into a place of peace. John 14, 20 says, 14, 27, Jesus says, peace I leave with you. My peace I give you. I do not give you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. Jesus doesn't give us what the world gives. He gives us peace. See, Martha was, she was uh, multitasking here, okay? Which this is, this is a good thing, right? Like, it's a good thing to multitask. And Jesus, but 
what Jesus was saying to her here is he was saying, hey, I don't want to be a part, I want to be the part. Like you kind of have this wrong, like following Jesus, like being a disciple, it looks like a full surrender, an all-in mentality, and you're just giving me parts. And here's another reason why I'm not quite so sure that Jesus is calling her to sit down, but more, it was more of a mental thing with her, is because God is not isolated to our quiet times and our worship services. God is always speaking. The problem is we only listen sometimes. He's always speaking. We just sometimes listen. Um, I think I have always felt bad for Martha in this story because I believe that she was doing a good thing, right? Like, there were people in her home. She wanted to feed them. But we can do the right things for the wrong reasons, The Bible tells us that God looks at our hearts. He sees our motives. And in God's economy, the why we do something is more important than the what we do. And not only that, but Martha was trying, she was trying to do this good thing by feeding those in her home, okay? Like, I really believe she was trying to do a good thing. But not only that, but it was what everyone expected her to do. It's why they were there, right? But what everyone expected of her didn't matter. It didn't matter. If Martha would have stopped, and this is what struck me reading it this time, if Martha would have stopped and halted all the meal prep, if she would have stopped and not have done that, I believe that everyone would have still been fed because Jesus would have figured it out. Either miraculously or practically, he would have fed everyone in that room. And what happened in this moment is that Martha felt like she couldn't stop because she was over-exalting her ability to give what the people in her home needed and under-evaluating the Lord's ability to be able to meet their needs. I believe that she believed that Jesus could do everything. I believe that she believed in him. She just wasn't living it out. And I believe this because I think I do this. I don't think I do this. I know I do this. I think that if I don't do this for my kids, if I don't do this for my family, I want to sweep in and I forget that I'm actually not their savior. That's not my job. But I live I sometimes live like I am. I sometimes live like I can save the day, and I really don't think this is just a mom thing. I really think this is a dad thing too, but hey, whatever. Um, And so, yeah. So as I started today saying, hey, this is not a Mother's Day message, and it's it's still really not. Um, It's not about mothers. It's not about mothering, um, and I get that. But I had a moment I had a moment this week sitting on the edge of my bed as I was reading this story. And I know that this was not Luke's intention for including it. And um, I really do think I have presented a lot of good things today, hopefully. But, um, but I had this moment on my bed where I was like, oh my goodness, like this is what mothering looks like. 
I live between these two worlds of Martha and Mary where I have these seasons of motherhood where, or I should say moments of my, because I feel like I go between the two every day, but I have these moments where I feel so frustrated and overwhelmed and I have to do and do, and then I also get frustrated at the people that aren't helping me do what I need to do. And so I have these moments where I'm living in this like Martha world where I feel like I can't slow down or something is, something is going to fall or fail. But then I have these moments as Mary where I'm in this weird place of life right now where I'm just, I feel like I'm fighting for my kids' attention because they've got so much going on. And they walk in the door, and the first thing I do, wherever I'm at, is I will walk to wherever they are, and I'll say, hey, how was your day? Now, I'm going to be real honest. Most of the time, I just get a fine. It was good. Especially from Jackson, I usually just get fine, fine, whatever his voice is. Um, But on the rare occasion that he wants to sit and talk to me and tell me how his day was. There is nothing that I wouldn't give up for that moment. Nothing. And we do this with our little kids too, don't we? Like we are exhausted as parents and I still remember, 18 years later, I still remember what that feels like. We're exhausted with these littles and we just can't wait to put them in their bed. And as we go in to check on them, One last time before we go to bed, we open the door and we just want to stand there and watch them sleep. (laughs) Just want to stare at them. (laughs) We do this. And so I had this moment where I was like, oh my goodness, the story is so much like what I feel like as a a mom. Um, I also said that I, I didn't say I didn't like the story. I said it wasn't my favorite. But I don't know that I can say that anymore because I learned so much and I'm so glad that the Lord brought it to my attention. And I think the three biggest things I learned today, I just want to leave you with these little nuggets. And the first one is the worries of life will distract from the necessity of hearing God's word. And I one time heard someone say it like this. They said, We cannot allow the urgent to squeeze out the necessary. We have a lot of urgent in our life. Our kids are urgent. Our spouses are urgent. Our work is urgent. Um, Our schedules are urgent. We have urgent friendships. We have urgent health crises. We have lots of urgent things, but we can't allow those many urgent things to squeeze out the one necessary thing. Martha was focused on many things and not the one thing that mattered. The second thing that I really came away with is... um, Community suffocates when all of its energy is spent appraising the motives and actions of others. So I'm assuming that this is a guy thing too, but I'm not a dude, so I don't really know, so I guess I can just kind of speak to the women in the room. But I... I'm going to be real. Like, we do this all the time. We compare our... We compare our kids, we compare our homes, we compare our successes, we compare ourselves, our hair, our body, our clothes. We do this all the time. I guess dudes do this too, I don't know. Whatever, it doesn't matter. Um, 
But comparison, jealousy, and insecurity create disorder in your mind. They create disorder in your mind. The problem is it starts in your mind. Comparison, jealousy, insecurities, they start in your mind, but they leak out. And this is what we saw with Martha is that it leaked out into frustration. Martha missed her moment with Jesus because she was focused on what her sister wasn't doing. And then lastly, I have to go to Jesus with my frustrations. So he instilled within me the ability to fail. It's called free will. And then he beautifully formulated this plan to fix my failures. So see, I don't have to get it all right. I don't have to get this motherhood thing all right. I just have to go to Jesus with my failures and my shortcomings. And so as the worship team comes up, like, and we end like we do every week, I just want to invite you, whether it's in your seat or at the altar, I just want to invite you to bring your frustrations, whatever they are, bring them to Jesus. And I want you, I also want to invite you to replace the places in your life when you have been comparing yourself to others, where you have these insecurities, where you have this jealousy, replace those things with gratitude. Thank the Lord for what he has given you and what he has done for you. And lastly, I wanna give you the opportunity to maybe confess the urgent things that you have allowed to squeeze out the one necessary thing in your life. And the beautiful thing about this is that whether you do this in your seat or you do it at the altar, is that you have a heavenly Father who accepts you, who sees you, and who has exactly what you need. Thank you for listening to this message from One Hope Church. If you liked this message and would like to hear more, check out our website at ouronehope.com for message archives, service times, and more information on how you can get connected. Thanks again for listening, and we hope to see you soon.